0: I just feel that sales professionals that are, they're at such a disadvantage. Um, the old traditional ways of selling and building rapport and hoping that people like you and caution in the questions that you ask and hoping that your presentation hits all the marks. I just feel like it's a lot of guessing, struggle and hope. And so we're gonna try to teach the opposite of traditional sales.
1: That's Dan Lappin sharing why the title Breaking Sales is so important. In this foundational episode, we'll be digging into what traditional sales means and why it's failing you. Specifically, we'll discuss some of the common things sales professionals do that leads to failure.
0: There are five other things that we bring in that we call outcomes. And there are these needs and wants that we have as human beings, especially if we're in sales.
1: So what are the things you want? And how are your desired outcomes creating obstacles to you getting the results that you seek? Grab a cup of coffee, a pen, and paper, and let's learn how to change the trajectory of your sales conversations. I'm Kylie Schmitz.
0: I'm Dan Lapin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the LaPA One Eighty team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects.
1: All right, Dan, can you tell us a little bit more about what some of these traditional sales patterns are and what's wrong with them?
0: We get that question asked all the time. And for you listeners out there, do the same thing. Pretend you're the prospect and let's pretend that someone you respect sent you an email and introduced me to you and I'm a sales performance coach, and we're going to have a cup of coffee, and you are the prospect. Can we do that? Yep. Let's do that. So you get that email. How do you feel when you get that email from this person that you respect?
1: I'm probably a little bit maybe confused or apprehensive. Not sure why this person thinks I need a sales coach. You know, what is this guy going to tell me that I don't already know? Is this going to be a waste of my time? How long is this going to take? I'm sure some of those thoughts will be popping into my head. I get some of those emails pretty often and I'm, you know, you're just wondering what's in it for me or what's this guy going to try to sell me?
0: Right. I think for most listeners out there too, they're feeling the same thing, which is why do I have to have this cup of coffee? And my gut is everybody feels a bit of obligation. So you're sitting now in the coffee shop. Pick a coffee shop between the office and your house. Do you have a coffee shop in mind? Yep. Let's pretend you see me walking in now. And for you listeners, do the same. You see me walking in. At that moment, do you feel like you're going to be guarded in the conversation or do you feel like you can be vulnerable in this up and coming conversation with me?
1: I'm probably going to feel it out, see what See what you have to say. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot, just enough to kind of keep you at bay.
0: You're going to be more of like, what's he all about? What's he looking for? How long is this going to last? You might even be thinking about all the things you have to do back at the office. So I sit down and I start asking you questions. And let's pretend that you do finally share with me after a couple questions that you could and you need to improve prospecting. And then I immediately jump to solving that for you. You know, we've been talking for about 10 minutes. You mentioned prospecting. And I start telling you how we solve it for others. I start sharing some stories. Think about it. How are you listening? Are you listening in that moment to qualify me as someone that you'd want to hire?
1: I'm probably going to be listening to a little bit apprehensively still, because you're probably going to tell me I need to do something different. You know, obviously, if I have a problem with prospecting, or maybe I could tweak it and make some enhancements. But I don't know if it's something that I want to put the effort into. I don't know if what you have to sell me on or tell me to do is going to be something that works for me or will be something I want to invest in. I mean, it's gonna take time, it's gonna take money. I'm sure you don't work for free, right? So I'd be a little bit maybe put off or like slow down, buddy.
0: We as human beings naturally tend to disqualify new ideas. You know, We overestimate what we currently do or have in place and we underestimate what we could gain by doing something different. Now, as I say that, Try to remember that pertains to all of your prospects. Every single one of your prospects to some degree when you first show up, they are going to overestimate what they currently have in place and they're going to underestimate what they could gain by doing something new and different with you. That is human nature. So as Kylie's in this coffee shop with me or you're in the coffee shop with me, even though I might be spot on in what I'm saying and how I can help you you will still have that tendency to disqualify me. Because as soon as you can disqualify me, you're off the hook. You're off the hook from having to invest any more time and effort with me. You're off the hook with having to consider making a change. And most importantly, there's no hit to your ego. There's no hit to your pride. You don't have to admit that you could actually improve or get better, and you don't have to invest the time or the money. That's the power of disqualifying it's what your prospects do to you all the time. And this cup of coffee, it's what you would do to me, especially if I jump too quickly to try to solve your problem and you haven't even figured out and decided if it's a problem worth solving yet. So that's the one of the issues with sitting down, having this cup of coffee and trying to share your expertise too quickly. But let's, let's play it out a little bit different now, Kylie. Say we get through all that and I'm still talking to you about some examples. And then I start asking you some questions. When you're talking, can you tell when I'm listening to try to sell you or position my solution versus if I'm listening to try to genuinely help you? Can you tell the difference?
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of times if I'm talking to a salesperson and they have a response ready to go and it has nothing to do with the answer that I've given, I can tell that they're just running through their process versus listening to actually learn what I have to say and understand my circumstances.
0: Let me ask another question, Kylie, and I'll ask the listeners as well. When I sit down with you and I'm having that cup of coffee, how quickly can you tell I want and need something from you? I know that sounds weird, right? I just sat down. I might be building some little bit of rapport with you or whatever it might be.
1: Right. Exchanging pleasantries. Once that's over with, I'd say pretty quickly, maybe a few minutes in.
0: How can you tell? Like, What do you pick up? Because I'm not saying it. I'm not coming into that meeting and going, oh, by the way, Kylie, I need and want something from you. I hope we get a second meeting out of this conversation today. I'm not saying anything like that. So, so how can you tell?
1: I don't know. It's just like a feeling. What I think of is a bad date. So if, I, if I'm on a date with somebody and I can feel like they feel like this is their one opportunity to find their soulmate, I'm going to feel like I'm dating or I'm on a date with a stage five clinger. It's just not a good feeling. It's like a needy feeling. Nobody wants desperation. It, it's not attractive.
0: I love the example. When that happens... Okay, I'm talking about the sales conversation versus the not stage. Not bad date. <laughs> yeah, not the bad date. When you can tell I want and need something from you, again, I'm not vocalizing it, but you're picking it up. What does that do to your answers and your effort in answering the questions that I'm asking?
1: I'm probably gonna keep my answers pretty short because anything more is gonna lead me down this path of exhaustion you're going to sell me something or you're going to try to get something from me, it'll be exhausting. You're going to take too much of my energy.
0: Kylie, you can tell I want and need something from you. Where would your trust level be at that point?
1: Pretty low. I mean, if I feel like you're trying to get me somewhere or you want something from me, I don't trust that you have my best interests in mind. I trust that you're out to get something for yourself.
0: What happens, again, to your answers and the effort you put into your answers then?
1: They'll be short. My effort will be minimal. You know, I'm just trying to get through this conversation at this
0: point. So for listeners, think about it. I'm sitting across from you. You're in that coffee shop. I'm asking you questions. You can tell I want and need something from you. I want to find your pain or I want a second meeting. How do you feel in that moment? Do you feel defensive? Do you feel like guarded? Do you feel like you want to be vulnerable with me? Just think about it for a moment. How do you feel? You probably feel defensive.
1: So Dan, this all seems very obvious, right? Like don't do these things, (laughs) but why do we do these things as salespeople? I'm guilty of it. I go in trying to pursue my agenda. Why is this so hard?
0: As salespeople, we're incented, we're incented to make the sale financially and other rewards as well, whether it's acknowledgement or whatever. And there's an immediate gratification and most salespeople are hardwired to enjoy and seek that immediate gratification, which in some instances makes them really good at sales. But if it's unmanaged, it works against them. Like I'll explain. Most salespeople will bring in three needs to every conversation with a prospect. I know i've been guilty of it the one need is validation you know imagine right you spend 10 months trying to get an appointment with a c-suite ceo cfo whomever and now you're in front of them you kind of want to validate yourself by sharing your expertise letting them know what you do how you do it it creates a bias. you want to make sure that you're able to again validate your expertise it's something you need and want it may not have anything to do with what the prospect needs and wants The other thing that we bring in is we bring in this, this pressure. It could be quota performance. It could be something that's put on us by our boss. It could be what we put on ourselves, the need to perform, the need to win, the need to meet quota, hit a budget. And we bring that in and we also bring in the idea of reward again. You know, Hey, if this meeting goes really well, I'm going to hit my number. If I hit my number, I'm going to make the trip. Or if I hit my number, my compensation is going to go from X to X plus Y. Those are things that are conscious and subconscious that we bring in if we're not careful. Continuing, like there are five other things that we bring in that we call outcomes. And there are these needs and wants that we have as human beings, especially if we're in sales. There are five particular outcomes that we bring in. So if I'm going to have that cup of coffee with you or the cup of coffee with one of our listeners and I'm not careful... I'm going to bring one, two, or three, or five of these outcomes in with me. Number one, build rapport. I want to build rapport with you so you like me. Number two, I'm going to want to share my expertise with you. Number three, I'm going to want to find your pain so I can solve it. Number four, I might want some data or some kind of agreement that I can review that tells me that you might be committed to doing something. And number five, of course, and we're all taught this, Get the second meeting. So imagine this now. I am walking into this appointment for a cup of coffee with you, Kylie, or one of our listeners, and I want those five things. Those are all things that I want. And it's going to be and create biases on my part because I'm only going to listen for things that get me those things that I want. I'm only going to ask questions that sets me down the path in my head to get me those things that I want. Now, you as the prospect though, right? You're going to come into the meeting and you've got your own biases. Number one, you got pride and loyalty. So let's say we go back to the prospecting example. Kylie, as the prospect, you're going to come in with your own biases because you're human. So let's say it's prospecting. Now, remember, you didn't come into the meeting with me thinking that you wanted to talk about prospecting. You just kind of gave it to me as an answer. It might have been a polite answer. It might have been an honest answer, but it wasn't a vulnerable answer. You just said, yeah, I want to improve prospecting. You have a history of failures and successes behind what you do for prospecting now, just like our listeners do. And we as human beings get attached to our experiences. So whether the experience is good or bad, it's our hard earned experience. And for you listeners out there, all of your prospects walk into every one of the appointments with you with a sense of loyalty and pride in what they're currently doing because they created it, they built it. It's their blood, sweat, and tears. So you as the prospect, you bring that into the conversation as well. You also bring in a fear of change. As we said earlier, human beings have an innate uncertainty and fear of change. We overestimate what we currently do to keep us safe. And we underestimate what we could gain by doing something different, again, to keep us safe. But let's say we can even debate change. As human beings, a prospect also brings in this thing called fear of failure. What if I do change? What if it doesn't go right? What if it goes completely wrong? What's going to happen to me? That's a huge fear. And the number one thing that prospects bring into a conversation, and my gut is, if we did have that cup of coffee and I was the sales coach, you'd bring this one in. You don't want to feel like I want and need something from you as we've already discussed. And for you listeners out there, it's the same way. You wouldn't want to feel sitting across from me that I want and need something from you. So let's play this out. I come in, I want rapport. I want to find your pain. I want to prove my expertise. And I want a second meeting. And you come in not feeling like you want someone who wants and needs something from you. That's a collision. That's really difficult to to avoid.
1: So Dan, I, I understand this collision. I get what you're saying. The prospect wants to hang on to what they've done so far. They don't want to be forced into something because you want it. The salesperson has goals and a job to do. We're we're in, we're colliding right now. So, how does this impact the salesperson? They're still closing deals. So, what's the big deal here?
0: We did some research, multitude of industries, and what we researched was how many prospects out of 10 have already decided to make a change before the sales professional ever shows up? And the answer is we always got back one out of 10, two out of 10, and a few industries, three out of 10. So to your question, none of this matters that much maybe out of the one, two, or three out of 10 that have already decided to make change because everybody's doing it. It's a it's a pattern. So you can go into that two out of 10, we'll call it, and you could Get the second meeting, focus on building rapport, focus on finding the pain. And because that prospect has already psychologically put themselves through their own process of debating change and accepting the risk of failure prior to you showing up, yeah, you can compete. Your competition is going to compete the same way. The key is what about the other seven or eight? Because out of the other seven or eight prospects out of 10, how many of them haven't thought through change, but objectively should make a change. You cannot appeal to that large group if you're going in seeking rapport, pain, and get a second meeting. You may have a, an interesting meeting and you may spend a lot of time trying to pitch, present, and your expertise, but that's about as far as you're gonna get. So it really doesn't matter For the two or three out of ten, it really matters. For the seven or eight out of ten who have yet to decide on making a change,
1: so Dan, how do we move past this? How do we, how do we do this better as salespeople?
0: That's not an easy question to answer. We've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of reading, and I've been reading about this whole idea of mindset, flow, to be exact. I'll use an example from a particular book, uh, "The Rise of Superman" by Stephen Kotler. In the book, he talks about big wave surfers. He talks about other, some other extreme athletes and some Navy SEALs and stuff like that. What's interesting though is he talks about the need for practice, but he also talks about this need to when you're in the moment and you're about to perform, you have to do two things. Number one, you have to let go of all expectations. And if you think about it, and for you listeners out there, it makes complete sense. I know some of my best meetings ever, I walked into them with no expectations. I truly did not care about rapport. I did not care about getting a second meeting. And they ended up being some of my best meetings ever. So Stephen Kotler talks about the importance of letting go of all expectations. So if you're going to ride an 80-foot wave, well, A, you better practice. B, you better let go of expectations as you're towed into the wave. And the other thing he talks about is letting go of the outcome, letting go of failure and the perception of it and success and the perception of it. It's the same in sales. When you walk into a meeting with a prospect, it's learning to let go of expectations, not worrying about outcome of a second meeting, building rapport, finding pain, and truly be in the moment with your prospect. That's called flow. And again, it's a very hard question to ask in a limited amount of time, but hopefully for you listeners out there, that gives you a little sense of how to start getting into that, that mojo, I'll call it, of not having expectations and letting go of outcomes. And usually we always have great meetings at that point.
1: That's helpful. So don't start thinking about the wedding dress on the first date is what you're saying?
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. And, you know, we always talk about it here at Laughing 180. It's like, don't use the word partnership in your first meeting. You know, there's always that rule about love, right? Everybody knows it don't be the one to say I love you first. It's kind of like that in sales too, which is don't be the one to mention partnership first, You know, because you're jumping way ahead.
1: Yeah, cart before the horse.
0: You got it. If I'm in that cup of coffee with you and I'm talking about a partnership and this is the first time you've ever met me, I'm like a stage four cleaner, (laughs) correct? Yeah. Soon to be stage five.
1: Right, you're getting there. Right, (laughs) I'm getting
0: there, yeah.
1: So I'm thinking back to some of my prospect meetings, there was a significant shift once I came over here and learned some of these techniques that you're talking about. Before, I went in thinking about myself and my need to hit hit my goals and make money for the company. I had a job to do, right? When I made the shift and let go of the need to perform and and hit goals, I started actually hitting them. So I don't know what it was and and what changed for me, but I stopped focusing so much on the result and just stayed present and listened to them and what they had to say. Is this, is this what you're talking about? So if you had to articulate what skills changed for me or improved, what were those? You've seen it from the outside looking in.
0: So there, there's two skills, and it's, it's funny, that are most impacted by this tendency that salespeople have like i said i've been there where we subconsciously and consciously bring these needs and wants into our conversations and meetings they're the two most fundamental skills to all of sales it impacts our listening and our asking questions so think about it if i want a second meeting with you over that cup of coffee i want to validate myself and prove to you what an expert I am on prospecting. I am only going to listen for the things that I want to hear. And those things that I want to hear are what align with me sharing my expertise, telling my story, finding your pain and getting a second meeting. So I'm only listening for what I want to hear, not what I need to hear. And we all know in sales, we're all taught from day one, the most important skill is listening. And then it has a direct correlation to the second skill that we're all taught, which is learn how to ask great questions. But again, if I want to get a second meeting, that's all I'm focused on. Or if I want to find your pain and solve it, and that's all I'm focused on, I am only going to ask you questions that align with me reaching those outcomes. I'm not going to ask you anything that might risk me not getting those outcomes. So, The two most important skills, listening and asking questions, are completely impacted when we go into these meetings chasing or hoping for certain outcomes.
1: So the shift you're talking about, Dan, it's a lot of hard work, just from my experience. So what's the advantage?
0: Yes, Kylie, there is a shift. You know, it's letting go of the outcomes. It's not having expectations. As crazy as that sounds, because none of us have been taught that. But it is doing that. And think about it. When you can walk into a meeting with a prospect, that same prospect that your competition is going to be meeting with, and you walk in and you're not searching for an outcome, you're not clinging to it, you're not trying to find the pain, you're not trying to purposely build rapport and hoping they like you, and you're not striving and pushing and struggling and hoping that you get that second meeting, guess what? you will listen different you'll pick up different words you'll pick up different expressions it'll put you in a position to ask second third and fourth level questions which will help you learn more than your competition you'll ask different questions at different times think about it this way the better you listen typically the better you ask questions and the more questions you ask the more you learn so it is a competitive advantage When you learn to put outcomes to the side, you create a learning advantage for yourself because you're listening at a deeper level, not for just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, and you're asking questions that are second, third, and fourth level while your competition is still struggling with the outcome.
1: So we just talked about a lot, and I want to make sure that you guys listening bookmark this episode. It's going to be incredibly foundational to what's to come throughout the rest of the podcast as we talk to Dan some more, maybe some of the coaches that we're going to have on the show and some some special guests. So hang on to this one and reference it as many times as you need to. All right, we're going to shift gears real quick. We have a segment called Change the Conversation where we are going to bring real examples of some sales outreach that we've received or someone within our network has received. These are verbatim the messages and we've changed the names and the company titles to protect the privacy of the people involved. Dan, I'm going to read through these messages and I'm going to pause so that we can get some of your gut reactions for these thoughts. All right, first message. Kylie, we appear to know the same people whom I respect. So I was intrigued when your profile was presented to me. Based on the quality of our mutual associations, I'd like to get to know you as well. Please accept my invitation.
0: So my gut reaction is, it's not bad. It seems a little bit scripted, but it's not bad. You know, he, he's not making any promises to you. Um, he's not necessarily asking for anything at this point, except for maybe to get to know each other, which is understandable. So it's not a bad starting point.
1: Yeah, and I think for me, because I probably have a pretty relaxed and casual writing style. This is a little too stiff for me. That's just me.
0: And I could, I could sense that and I could feel that too.
1: Okay, so next message comes three days later. Hi Kylie, thanks for connecting. I look forward to building a professional relationship and to see if there's anything the company or I can help you with, I would love to chat. Please check out our website at www.companyabc.com, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks.
0: So this one's loaded <laughs> with some, some things I think this person should change. Number one, three days later, he's now reaching out to you. He's at least a stage three clinger at this point, correct? Yeah, I think so. Right. Additionally, he brings up relationship. That's kind of like the word love where you know the rule is don't be the first one again to say I love you.
1: Well, especially not after three days.
0: After three days, <laughs> he's talking about building a relationship with you. He's also telling you what he wants. He would love to get to know you, love to spend some time with you. That's all about him. That's right away he's telling you that this interaction he's trying to have with you is about him, not you. So... I think the biggest issue, once again, though, is, I mean, three days and and now he's asking for something.
1: Yeah. And also telling me to go check out the website. I mean, why? You didn't give me a compelling reason to do that. So maybe there's a resource that could be valuable to me based on my position. I think that would have been something more helpful to me.
0: Kali, that's a great point. He's asked you now to invest time to check out his website, but he hasn't told you anything in particular about where and why. It's like just maybe he's hoping you're going to find something on his website that's appealing to you. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. You don't have time for that.
1: No, we're not going on this wild goose chase. All right. So the next message comes six days later. Hi, I am reaching back to see if no response simply means you've been too busy lately. If you're interested, please let me know when you'd be free for a brief chat.
0: Now he's gone to stage four, Klinger. He's not quite five, but he's definitely gone from three to four on you. But he's not giving you any reason to chat. He's not specifically saying, hey, here's why I think a conversation might make sense. He's not giving you a purpose. He's being vague.
1: Well, and I also think it's a little presumptive to, I mean, call me out on not responding when nothing he has said up until this point has given me a compelling reason to respond. So I feel like it's a little pushy.
0: And it is. So for the listeners, there's a few rules out there, okay? Number one, if you're going to send a LinkedIn invite, give first. Don't ask. Don't try to take. Uh, Number two, don't solicit. Whether you solicit A day after or three days after, do not solicit. Wait a few weeks, wait a month, all right? And then probably number three advice I would say is, again, make it about the prospect and be specific in what you're asking them to look at or why you're asking to connect and and talk.
1: Great. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the insight. And hopefully you guys have some helpful tips to change your conversations. So Dan, just trying to tie this back into what we've just talked about, in this messaging, you can definitely tell that this salesperson is promoting their own agenda. So in summary, what you just described as as some of those tips to follow, what you're saying is make your messaging about the prospect, not you. And that also goes back to our bigger topic of today. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's lappin180.com. That's L A P P I N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right, do we have another episode?